1: Good evening and welcome to Hooked, join 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population, and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction
2: and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. And my name is Tosh. What are some of the reasons behind this problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners of those in active addiction? We are not experts in these fields, but a couple of friends who both happen to be in recovery. We believe that there needs to be a conversation in our community. That's right,
1: Tosh, we aren't experts. But if you'd like to join us in that conversation, you can SMS us on 0427 JOY 949. That's 0427 569 949. Or email us at onair at joy.org.au. And that's also on hookedatjoy.org.au. If you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 14. That's lifeline.org.au. Or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36, which is beyondblue.org.au. Hey, I've got to tell you, Tosh, glad to have you here.
2: Because Russ babe. is away. Where's he gone?
1: Well, Russ has gone to New York. He's probably listening <laughs> from New York even as we speak. Uh, he's away for a few weeks and it's a pleasure to have you here in the studio. Now, Tosh, you've been on Hooked
2: before. I have indeed. I was back on in early January. Uh, we were doing a show on this On this show. We are doing a segment on self-harm and synthetic drugs and I had a great time and I'm very happy to be back.
1: Yeah, you were the be- guest of honour and it was great to have you. Uh, look, if you ever want to listen to uh, the Podcast on Tosh. You can go to uh, joy.org.au/slash hooked and you can have a quick listen in on that. We've got quite a lot of podcasts up now on iTunes as well. So you can choose whichever way you want to listen to Hooked. It's wherever you want. Yeah, I know. Joy.org.au/slash hooked. Whichever now. you want. Yeah, you could. You could. But look, probably more importantly, it is a good time to listen. Oh. And thank you, as I say, thank you for stepping in tonight. Now, I don't know whether you remember, but every week we have something very exciting. No. You don't remember? (laughs) Well, here it goes.
2: Addiction of the Week!
1: Oh, yes, it is time for Addiction of the Week. Now, this week, I had a chat with you earlier, again, well, sometime late last week, and we decided on pornography addiction.
2: What would I know about that?
1: Well, I, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting one. Because it is fascinating. It isn't necessarily regarded as an addiction, as per se, but it usually comes with a few other addictions as well. So people having other problems in other areas may actually turn to pornography.
2: Well, and, I, 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 again, we're, we're talking from the perspective of... Mm, f- firmly far from expertise here but um even from an outsider's perspective even someone who's struggled with things similar to this it's something that can be the butt of many jokes so to speak it's something that is not well understood and can the the lines between what could be considered addictive or perfectly normal or god forbid boys being boys or etc etc is blurred Yeah, very unclear, and that might just be just as unclear for the sufferer as it is for anyone who is... Perhaps in their lives as well.
1: But with, as with any addiction, usually it's something that starts taking over a bit of life. I'm going to read you out a little personal story. Now, it isn't actually uh, from our LGBT community, but it is mm. from Beyond Blue. And I checked out an online forum today. And it's about a wife uh, talking about her husband's porn addiction. I first came here when I needed help with my husband's depression, but I'm here a couple of months later. During the course of talking to my husband and hammering him for answers, I decided I'd do one of the things I never imagined doing. I snooped. What I've discovered has left me in absolute ruins. In December last year, over the course of three days, he searched for and visited 52 kinky websites and signed up on 13 kinky dating sites. When confronted, of course, he denied it, but I wasn't going to have any of it. To cut a long story short, I've discovered that he's addicted to porn and that he's even watched it at home right under my nose. So, you know, he's accepted that he has a massive problem and wants to get help wherever he can. And that's just one personal story on one of these online forums. Mm. So. It can be quite common, um, but, you know, once again, it's when that starts to take over and it's affecting relationships, Mm -hmm. it's affecting jobs, it's affecting functioning just in everyday life. Mm -hmm. What did you find out today about pornography addiction, (laughs) other than the research that you did before coming (laughs) to the show?
2: Well, I mean, it's it's not something I've done a lot of research into, I I must admit. I mean it's no no, i don't I don't have
1: any I don't but is have, it look i mean you're you're in your early twenties, oh yes, do you think it's different for your generation
2: yes, i do sorry I, I it's something that's it's actually you know you mentioned research and it's kind of thrown me off because it's actually something that's been a big topic for people my age for a long time, and now I'm in my early twenties uh, my very early twenties, and as a personal example let's say um when i when I was in my very early teens to say even 11 and 12 I had an internet connection, my own computer and from time to time a bedroom with four walls and a ceiling. Now I wasn't very popular at school and I didn't know what I was doing with the other boys and girls but here I had an access to sexual gratification from a very very early age uh, and until the time I started well getting around in my own communities and doing whatever shall be I had this understanding of what Sex uh, supposedly should be through pornography built up over six or seven years, and i, I don 't think it 's very hard for anyone to imagine that um, pornography is not the most natural depiction of perhaps how sexual encounters might play out in the wild. Uh, it can be, but especially for people my age, if your first experience is not very enjoyable and or just pretty awkward and pretty lanky as they are like to be, then I can imagine, and many people I know well, you know, kind of have found this is themselves in this situation across hushed conversations at various tables, that why wouldn't you just go back to doing it yourself? You know what you like. We've built up so much experience doing it.
1: Which means when a sexual relationship or sex uh, you know, in your teens or something like that doesn't look like pornography, mm. you're going, well, hang on, is that all there
2: is? It's a letdown. And you've got to remember all the other frets that come with you know, sexual interactions in the real world for for a teen or a, or a young adult. Uh, it's often, you know, parties or social events. You're socialising, you're not sure about who you are, especially in our community, that, that there's so much discomfort about perhaps y- y- your depiction of yourself, your self-image, your comfort around other people. Well, I'm pretty comfortable with myself in my trackies in my own home, I hate to say, and it wipes out a lot of the middlemen, now I don't even have to get dressed. I can have the the fan on. You know, it's it's this is overly simplifying the problem. But yeah, like, sure. I, I genuinely want to reinforce the fact that certainly anecdotally from my own experience, I did not enjoy interacting with you know other young men and women at, 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 when I was a a, a younger individual and. Um, well, certainly, the always you know, <laughs>
1: certainly, uh, from our community's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, if we're grappling with our own sexuality, yeah. we're going to be isolating a little bit more, especially if uh, everybody or else around us mm-hmm. doesn't seem the same. Now, porn addiction occurs when a person viewing pornography, with or without masturbating, loses control over whether he or she will engage in that behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, and porn addicts look. At and use porn compulsively despite the consequences that include an inability to form lasting social, intimate romantic relationships, intense feelings of depression, shame and isolation, mm-hmm. disintegration of relationships with family, loss of many hours, loss of interest in not-in-porn activities such as work, school, socialising, yeah. uh, trouble at work, financial issues, legal issues, usually related to illegal porn use. Mm-hmm. And also porn use is often combined with drug or alcohol abuse and uh physical injury caused by a compulsive masturbation uh sexual dysfunction with real world partners so mm. you know there are amazing consequences there there's some big ones yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and they're similar to other sorts of addictions mm. where you know you're going to go down the track of isolating and um and losing work hours and and socializing with other mm-hmm. people so it's it's probably you know it is sort of uh, conjectural whether uh, it is an addiction or not, but it, f- the evidence that I've been seeing, it does seem to be, and that's why I thought I'd bring it up tonight. Uh, there are uh, some amazing resources uh, that people can turn to if they feel that it is getting a little bit out of control. Now, I was talking to you earlier on tonight. I said, "Well, there's the Seinfeld episode, obviously, <laughs> which comes to my mind straight away, yeah. which is when uh, Jerry and Elaine and George and Kramer decide to have a bet who's not going to masturbate." Now, that wasn't because they were in addiction with porn, but but at the same time there's an amazing group in the united states and it's an online resource and it's called nofap have you heard of that
2: no and I, again i was mentioning so my understanding of this i when i when i worked in and read read nofap on a piece of paper i immediately thought of something more familiar to those of you who might hang around on various social media websites the nofap november challenge and this is only you know, recently on the mind of course because it was actually made rather mainstream headlines this past November gone and it's simply a challenge not to masturbate for the month of November now all sorts of different things go into it there's a there's it started off as this kind of joke in my understanding that you were somehow going to be superhuman if you could refrain from this <laughs> it was from origi- flapping yeah originally betrayed it portrayed as that you are somehow morally superior if you can um not have a wank um, but, like, it's, it's turned into this interesting challenge for people to reflect on how they spend their own... Past. In, like, dry July, you know, people are using this, you know, basically people clout, this attention that it's brought with it, to go, well, it's an interesting idea. Should I try it, if not, just to find out how much I would miss it if it was gone?
1: Yeah, well, that, that's one of the benefits I would expect of yeah. a, a fab free But November. I have not heard
2: of NoFap. Yeah, well, NoFap, as I say,
1: you can always do a web search Mm. and we'll pop something onto our podcast with a link to their particular community. It's a community-based porn recovery website. They offer tools and users' needs um, to be able to connect with other people. So, once again, it's peer group support Mm. for individuals determined to quit porn and free themselves from compulsive sexual behaviours. With our website forums, articles and apps, NoFap helps our users overcome their sexual addictions so they can heal from porn-induced sexual dysfunction improve their relationships and ultimately live their most fulfilling sexual lives Mm. pretty amazing stuff
2: well yeah i mean and just as a quick injection here i when i came into recovery i would have not i I wanted to talk to as few people as i possibly could Mm -hmm. and i'm constantly amazed for all sorts of addiction just how much these peer support things Work and you know even to the even to right down to the core of you know group therapy things, yeah you know, they benefited me earlier on
1: but the last thing you wanted in addiction is to talk interaction to other, with yeah. other people just
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. to, to find out that there's even peer support for pornography addiction I'm sure there are for many others it, it's just as, as astounding you know it 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 works it, well it, it appears to, and the breadth to which the things you can apply it to is is, mm-hmm. is astounding That's Well right. there are
1: actually 12 step programs such mm. as Sex Addicts Anonymous Sexaholics Anonymous and probably the one that I know about is SLA, which is mm. Sex and Love yeah. Addicts Anonymous mm. uh, There's a number of those 12 uh, step programs and they're great support groups. Uh, the other thing was, uh, I was reading about was uh, in his autobiography back in 2014 American actor Terry Crews talked about his long standing pornography addiction which had affected his marriage and his life. Mm. There's also uh, Russell Brand. He appeared in videos by American Anti-Pornography Organisation Fight the New Drug, which he ranted about pornography and he was talking about pornography as the new drug. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's sort of a substitute one. Uh, Chris Rock, uh, he's a comedian from America as well. He attributed his infidelity to pornography addiction and also people like Hugh Grant uh we know about Hugh Grant um and he's spoken out against pornography and Emma Thompson
2: Mm. so yeah but it's it's interesting that you use the phrase spoken out I mean I'd, I'd be very interested to go look at what has been had to say but it's a very it's very loaded sentiment is it's spoken out it comes with these kind of abstinent movement kind of like no sex before marriage kind of things in the past. Don't look at uh, pornography because it is morally wrong or sinful kind of thing. I, I, I That's what worries me. Coming into this with very little understanding or experience, I, it's something that struck me. There's an extra room for marginality. i'd like, to, to marginalise this community based on the fact that it can come across, or they might even... This. Those suffering may hear it as they are being lectured to on morality rather than, you know, perhaps... Some, perceiving somebody is just reaching out a helping yeah. hand which yeah. is uh, it's just something that worries me because you know, there's so many addictions you come across there's those, those tricky little things which make it its own little sure Mess. It's a little nightmare to deal well, with. and
1: nevertheless, we've discussed pornography, oh, and yes. there are Sorry. some uh, <sharp inhale> ways of actually having a look at dealing with it. If that's something that you're um, thinking you're having a problem with, mm. uh, we're actually going to be talking about first strategies tonight, and that's mm. what we're going to devote our program to. And we'll get back to that after this break.
2: This is Hooked on Joy 94.9.
1: Ah, yes, you are on Hooked, and... uh it's great to have you listening. Great to have your company tonight on Hooked on Joy 94.9. It's the program about addiction. Tonight, uh, Tosh is co-hosting with me. It's great to have you here, Tosh.
2: Thank you, David. It's great to be
1: here. Well, Russell is away in the Big Apple in the big city. And tonight we have Big Daddy rejoining us. Big Daddy, welcome back to Hooked.
0: Good evening, gentlemen.
1: Now, you were on Hooked a little while back. It uh, would have been Christmas Eve, actually, with another guest called PDM.
0: That's right. What were
1: you talking about that night?
0: Twelve-step um, programs, Correct. Correcto.
1: Yes. We were de Justifying 12-step programs. Once again, another podcast if you want to have a listen and find out all about those. But it was a great show. And tonight, uh, Big Daddy, we're going to be talking about first strategies. Mm. Uh, The reason I wanted to bring that up was because a lot of people do find that they're struggling in addiction. And what do you do first? What was the first thing you did when Mm. you thought you had a problem?
0: Mm. When I thought I had a problem, (laughs) it was disbelief, really. Denial. denial. Yeah, totally. Um, And it was about... Oh well, I'm just a heavy drinker. Yeah, you know, I don't need. I don't need to go into any sort of program or recovery or anything like that. Mm. Just have to accept that as part of my life that I'm a, I'm a heavy drinker. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you
1: did make attempts to change that. What yeah. was your very? Can you remember the very first? Uh, look, there were thing a range
0: of activities that I, um, I looked at and, and even participated in. Um, you know, one of them was. Um, to go and do a, a detox at, uh, as an inpatient at a mm-hmm. hospital, mm-hmm. where they gave me massive amounts of Valium. <laughs> and, um, I slept all day for about five or seven days. I wasn't drinking. Well, of they was going to say five or six weeks, but mm-hmm. it didn't. No, like no, a, no they, yeah. they, they needed the bed. You know, you could, only sta- <laughs> mm-hmm. you could only stay there for about six or seven days. Um, And, uh, you know, every now and again, a doctor would come around to me and say, you know, you really should stop drinking. And at the end of the seven days, I just walked straight out the door and went straight over to the bottle shop and bought a cask of wine and went home. And and there were a number of different activities that I did over a number of years before I actually finally got sober. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, one thing I wanted to talk about as a first line thing that uh, people may consider if they're they're struggling with an addiction of any sort is possibly talking to their doctor. Now, Mm. we've talked to a number of people on this show about addictions and often they say they lied to their doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, the story we've heard a few times is I went to my doctor, he said, oh, you know, how much are you drinking, for example? Mm. Oh, yeah, just a few a day when in fact they were drinking a few bottles a day. Mm. Um, how do you feel that as a as a strategy maybe tosh well uh, what uh, advice would you give about talking to your doctor
2: it's it's certainly coming from a governmental perspective it's it's the is fir- you look at any uh public approach to um you know public health management in regards to addiction and talking to your gp is often the first thing they encourage you to do and you know i had mixed experiences myself i once went into a new gp and they asked me how many standard drinks I had a day, and how many cigarettes I smoked a day, and I walked out and went to a different doctor that didn't ask me that question. Did but you lie at the time? <laughs> well, no, I didn't fill out the form, um. but um, like <laughs> uh. I, I lied in different places. You know, I, I would I would dabble around and say well, oh, I'm feeling a little bit sad, or certainly I, I struggle with suicidal ideation. You know, there was a lot of dancing around that. First line, stra- absolutely a first line strategy of talking to your doctor, and we, if we want to talk about, you know and not lying to them on the occasion that i went to my gp and said i have a problem mm-hmm. you know first with you know my mental health when i went to them i said i have a problem you know i am incredibly depressed it it worked out you know very well i i had a mental health care plan and i was off I to see yeah a psychologist the next week and you know, that, that's another part of the journey. I won't say things got better then. That's, that's my own experience. But when I was ready to tell the truth about that, you know, I had options available to me immediately. Yeah. And looking back at my own experience, and I'm sure others can attest to this, that everybody else had a better idea about how to look after me at the time than myself
1: you know of course doctors have got confidentiality mm. which is mm-hmm. part of their whole creed mm. and at the same time some people may not be quite comfortable going to their regular doctor i mean we can go to any doctor we like in yeah. this country uh big daddy you were in a country town mm. what sort of things did you tell your doctor
0: um anything but the truth <laughs> yeah. one comment i'd make about doctors is though i, I, don't, I was never called out by my doctor you know they do they do blood tests and obviously my liver function would be elevated and things like that and and uh, you know he'd he'd get me in to talk about those the tests that he'd done mm-hmm. and asked me why my liver function might be elevated and i said have uh, you know i'd sort of uh, deny it and, and i had and prawns and last night <laughs> or you know yeah. whatever it was never that i had several bottles of wine last night or what no. um and and so i, I do remember even that was a long time ago that i was never really challenged by my doctor and and maybe you know um, if there's any out, uh, people out there in the medical profession, may, maybe you need to challenge your patients Perhaps. a little bit more, and, and maybe you know, particularly if you know that it's uh, it's quite evident that they're lying to you.
1: Maybe sometimes it's a time constraint, but there are some uh, excellent GLBTI practices where people mm. may be able to actually feel a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. and go to those i can't actually give you names of doctors on, on community radio okay. but mm. you can certainly do a search on some of those now tosh mentioned before a mental health care plan and that is actually a session of usually 10 sessions with a psychologist well it
2: entitles you to 10
1: yeah and, so and that's also rebated on medicare yeah. so it's free consultations with the psychologist yeah, yeah
2: yeah
0: have you done that at all big daddy yeah yeah i've, I've done that several times both in um, when I was still drinking yes um and, and also in sobriety I and of a great benefit uh, 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 certainly in sobriety it has been yeah. Yeah. um again it was a, a, a searching for the magic wand you know it was just a different <laughs> health professional instead of being my gp it was you know maybe you need to go and talk to this person and again it was a, there was a, an element of denial with a, with the psychologist to mm-hmm. be able to um you know to lie and all of that sort of stuff i was actually even referred to a a psychiatrist at one stage yeah. I don't know whether that's sort of like getting the big stick out. It is, I think quite considerably. And- and I remember at one stage that the psychiatrist said to me that you know he said, "Well, you know, really, unless you tell the truth, I can't help you. Yeah, you yeah. Know, there's not much point in you coming back. I to doubt see if me. you liked
1: hearing that. I no, I didn't. <laughs> and I told
0: him to get fucked, and I walked away. You know, <laughs> sure. and didn't go to any health professional for a number of months. Ah,
2: yeah.
0: You know, and which that was the effect, know, effect that it had on me at the time when I was in, uh, you know, drinking a lot and, and still in active addiction. Yeah, so absolutely. once again,
1: I suppose as a first line of defence, if somebody is considering maybe those things that the message there is that you've got to be honest there's also drug and alcohol counsellors which um we'll, we'll come back to a little bit later on because there's some amazing resources for our community as well mm. medications
2: um now this brings I, w- I would love to this provides a great segue from you me love personally. medications or oh or? I just pop them all the time no yeah. <laughs> and i must admit i'm still on you know prescribed medications for for uh you know, my mental health, still to this day, I've come off a lot of them. But you mentioned you politely told your doctor where to go and what to do with it. And this is a very... I, I actually was thinking back again on my own experience because it's all about me. Here is the guest on... <laughs> join a, no, no, the co-host. Yeah, the co-host. I've been promoted. I had a couple of bad experiences. And these are very important with first-line experiences because specifically one with medication, one... Uh, specific ssri uh, antidepressant sorry in particular, which did not work for me at all and even even when I was getting prescribed that I was fully aware that there are many different types on the market with many different effects, but I had one bad experience what was that with which which Uh, medication fluox fluoxetine or i can't remember the name exactly um i I never um just just a type of antidepressant and i can't recommend you either they work differently for different people so do not take my experience as your own but if you do have a bad experience shop around and i'll say this because (laughs) they work by you know obviously taking off the peaks of Cutting off the the troughs of your experience, mm-hmm. you know, mentally um, or emotionally throughout the day. But what I found is very specifically, it meant that I stopped enjoying things like sunsets and music just as much, and it was awful. It was what I felt at the time that was all I had to enjoy. Sure. I would convinced myself this. Was the case. With that class
1: of drugs, I think you definitely need to go back to your health professional yeah. in mm. order to see what's going on. Uh, Big Daddy, I think you've mentioned before that there is a couple of other drugs that are used to treat uh, addiction. Um, yeah,
0: the, one of the one of the the attempts that I had at getting sober was um, an inpatient, um, started as an inpatient at a hospital here in Melbourne and I was given antabuse. Antabuse, yeah. Yeah, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty... Uh, toxic sort of drug um, that that uh, facilitates a huge illness reaction if you drink alcohol while you 're taking this drug, but nevertheless, um, that could be for some people
1: yeah. a good first a line good of defense or a good strategy to start their road perhaps to recovery look we 're going to talk more about these first line strategies uh, after this break.. Turn
3: change, turn turn and face the
2: Hooked on joy. You're listening to Hooked with David and Tosh. Joy 94.9's program about addiction. If you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36.
1: Yes, that's right. And you are listening to Hook. Tonight, we're talking about first strategies. So, if you think you may be in addiction, uh, or if you think there is a bit of a problem going on, these first strategies are ways that you might want to start approaching your problem. Uh, That's assuming you feel that it's a problem. Not everybody does.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, Look, the next one that I thought we'd go on to is some people's first strategy is a rehab.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Been to one? Yes, I have myself. And it's funny you mentioned that... some people might not feel like it's a problem. Well, I bloody well feel like I didn't have to go to rehab when I went in. It took me a long time to get there. I did have a positive experience. That's where I that's where I got sober and I've been sober since. But what I, they're, they're profoundly strange things and, you know, they can be exactly the right thing and they for many other patients they can be very off-putting. And
1: it's funny because we were talking about <laughs> the whole idea of isolating an addiction yeah. and not wanting to see anybody and just further and further removing yourself from mm. society family social functions even almost to the point of not even going to work and things like mm. that yet you end up in a rehab and you're surrounded by other people
2: yeah getting three meals a day
1: cooked for you it was great well that's got to be nice yeah. but you're surrounded by other people with similar problems oh yes that's yes. the point
2: interesting i i learned in in rehab a, a combination of drugs that had quite a desired effect on me that i remember taking them well i was given them by doctors but i sat there thinking I wish I'd have tried this before, and you know certain rehabs don't give you medication. Mine did, but it's to which their own. It's a very it's a very significant step. It is a first line strategy, I would definitely say for recovery. But you know, it's not something to jump into without. You know, some serious reflection from yourself. Well, because yourself it's going disu- to disrupt it's going to disrupt your life. Not yeah. everybody
1: is able to go. You know what? I'll just go into rehab mm. for a month. Mm. Or also, uh, you know, apart from um, having uh, public private health insurance that mm. might pay for that, those people that don't would we'll be looking at maybe twenty grand, thirty grand to go yep. to a rehab. Yep. if they can get a place immediately. Yeah, or they, that have
2: they to decide. wait for a public one.
1: Big Daddy, you went to a rehab mm. you mentioned before.
0: Uh, I went to several. Um, you know that um, in my path to sobriety so they weren't um, necessarily your first strategy yeah. but they were a
1: strategy along the way
0: the, I, not everything's going to work this is what we're talking bag yeah, about yeah. Of yeah. strategies
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and um, probably the last uh, rehab I went to which was the most successful rehab because, why was that well i haven't had a drink for 17 and a <laughs> <No, but years>. half <laughs> why <laughs> was that particular one the most successful i was, I was just successful. about to explain yeah. um, it was it was a group a small group of people Um, There were only 10 people in the rehab. They were all alcoholics, so they were all the same as me. Um, And there was nothing special in the rehab the the um, medical people were there just to supervise to make sure that you were medically okay Mm -hmm. and then there were a group of counsellors that introduced me to Alcoholics Anonymous immediately um, like the second day that I was there and and for me that was uh, that was my saviour if you like introduced me to the AA program and um, you know the, the rest is history so far as I'm concerned. So in fact another
1: first strategy for many people could be just going to one of the 12-step programs. Exactly, and yeah. there's so many of them, of course. Yeah, mm.
2: You just end up in a... Uh, chances are, if you end up in a park you've once got drunk in, there might be a meeting nearby. Mm-hmm. It's my experience, <laughs> but... Yeah, that's true.
1: Uh, that's something I've heard many times <laughs> over. Now, it's funny because both of you, I said to you, well, what about detox as a first strategy? Mm. And both of you have said to me, well, detox is the same as going into rehab. But there are other options for detox as well. Now, Big Daddy, you've mentioned there are home detoxes.
0: That's right. I, again, another one of the in the mixed bag that I had was about uh, a home detox for a couple of weeks where I um, uh, was responsible for my own not drinking how does Um, that work Mm. um, well you're you're given a booklet you know and all (laughs) that sort of thing and there's a there's a nurse on call Um, or or a a professional health professional for you to be able to Mm -hmm. discuss um, how you're feeling during the day or whatever while it's happening and you're given lots of medication again you know there's the the old valium pops in there because they're always frightened that um, certainly a person with alcohol is in my experience anyway is that sometimes there can be physical side effects of of detoxing too quickly Uh from alcohol and and, and drugs as well and so valium is a, a drug that's used a lot to uh to push those you know sort of make that medically okay now, they wouldn't have gone ahead with that unless it works for some people what sort of people do you totally. think a home detox would work um, for I, I think you'd have to be pretty strong-willed and strong-minded mm-hmm. you know um, it certainly didn't work for me because it was for me it was just a, a another way of yes well i'm trying but i'm not really committing you know, um every time I did I, I've talked about my mixed bag of recovery um and trying all of these first call options for me it was a case of being negative and trying to find what why they wouldn't work for yeah. me this is
1: why I've got you on here tonight yeah because and that was
0: that was each time I went I even went to AA about you know 30 or 40 times um in the years before I actually got sober and thinking you know I had a huge ego and so everybody there was uh, below me and pretty fucked up but I wasn't like them and you know <laughs> Know, all of that sort of well, stuff so so at I, the same time with the low self-esteem you're a worthless piece of shit totally mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you know it, it, it was a case of as i said i'd go to each of these different methods uh, to seek uh, obviously seeking some sort of uh, repair and and alleviate my suffering in a way but not being able to commit Um, and certainly trying to find things that were wrong or why this particular first line of defence or whatever isn't going to work work for me. So
1: detox is good, but it's not good enough for me. Now, I've got a mate, actually, who did do a home detox and it worked for him. Now, I don't know whether maybe because he was in a relationship uh, with a partner of his Mm. and that made him a little bit more accountable perhaps mm-hmm. uh and you know when his partner got home from his job every day he would be sort of like accountable to his partner and uh you know that would that could be an appropriate Absolute thing different set, yeah, different set of circumstances different set of circumstances i guess um, in
2: that case it's just an assistance to get through like it's just a little bit of extra help to get you through what you might have always wanted already wanted to do. And that's know, getting to a little work, bit of support yeah, from somebody close. Yeah, just a little bit of extra help I guess. Yeah. That's but not right. everybody uh,
1: unfortunately in addiction has the support of somebody no, else uh, because yeah. of the isolation and also, you know, burning every bridge <laughs> in, in the book. I was going to talk about interventions and I think we have this um, concept of interventions where a mm. whole room of people corner the person that's in addiction and then you know, tie them up and send them off to rehab or something like that. But it's funny because when we were talking about Hello Sunday Morning the other week I went online and checked Out their their site and it's a it's a very good website and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the web based services. But in there, it actually gave people a way to talk to those in addiction, Mm. which would be in an interventional way, but completely different to you know what you've got a bit bit of a drinking problem, Mark or Betty or Sue. You know you've got to stop doing that. And we've found that uh, saying stop doing it doesn't seem to work but uh their their um way is intervening by saying well you know can we find a time to actually Mm. talk together Mm -hmm. um maybe tosh can we find a bit of time together and then approaching the subject saying look you know i know you're under a lot of stress Mm -hmm. i can see you're having a really bad time is this particular addiction is this part of your problem Mm -hmm. and taking it from there and that's that's a different sort of intervention have you
2: well I mean I, I hope on your list is talking honestly and openly with a friend because if you're lost in a mire then you know if people if there are people in your life who still care about you then that they, they they might have the agency or the know or no or no no withal to, to help you out, you know. Intervention is not something I am familiar with, but I wanted to Ask quickly Big Daddy and David. How many how many people did you have left in your life at the end of your drinking who might sit you down in a room and tell you to stop drinking?
1: Certainly in my addiction I didn't have very many people left. There were a few very close people. Um a couple of family members, uh work colleague and and a lover as well, although I'd shunned all of those Mm. in that particular period through my addiction Mm.
0: so uh, what about you big daddy in my case i was um in a relationship and that was um well it was it was an unhealthy relationship in a lot of ways because um it was um codependent Mm. you know my partner enjoyed picking me up
1: yeah taking care of you and and taking care of me and
0: all of those sorts of things so
1: enabling and also um i'll take care of you as well
0: and 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 there were also a number of friends i'd like to make the point that i had a lot of friends that were unaware of the severity of my alcoholism and the impact it was having on my life um they thought yeah mark always gets pissed um, sure and has a drink and you know we go out and I'll drink as much, uh, twice as much as everybody else, um, but they they weren't aware that it was destroying my life. Addicts you know? are
1: very sneaky people. Yeah.
0: I just wanted to touch
1: on meditation, Big
0: Daddy. Another first strategy. Yeah, and it, it's been effective. I've used that in um, I've used that in uh, particularly in, in sobriety, um, in uh, being referred to a psychologist. Um, who believed in mindfulness meditation as a way of being able to um, just just uh, learn strategies to cope with uh, daily anxiety and stress mm. of uh, normal life and mm. all of that sort of stuff, uh, a thing instead of reaching for a, a drink or drug sure. to another, change the way you feel. Another and interesting first strategy. Absolutely. So you could get
1: somebody to be a facilitator of that. Yep. We're going to talk more about first strategies in just a moment and we've just got a little break and then we'll be back.
3: Turn and face the strange changes, change. you want to be a richer man, changes, turn and face the strange changes, it's going to have to be a different man.
2: This is
1: Hooked on Joy 94.9. Yes, you are listening to Hooked on Joy 94.9 with Tosh as my co-host tonight. G'day. And also big daddy he 's been our guest, yeah. and we 've been talking. What about Big Daddy about first strategies
0: yes that 's right first strategies, things that you might want to employ to um, find out a little bit more about getting off your particular uh, drug or, or alcohol of choice yeah. yeah. it 's
1: about breaking that cycle of addiction now. That's it. There, we, we've gone through a number of, big, uh, of, of different strategies which would involve actually doing something, going out and seeking a doctor, uh, getting a mental health care plan, rehabs, meditation, all sorts of things. But there are some amazing online web-based services. Now, Thorn Harbour Health has an amazing service on there and they do address alcohol and drug Mm -hmm. services they have their own uh, recovery support Uh, they have counsellors there are all sorts of groups there's certainly the therapeutic group and i don't know whether you've heard about rewired tosh but
2: no no they don't
1: ring a bell rewired is a free eight-week program for men who have sex with men aimed at helping them learn skills and strategies to change their methamphetamine use and that's for men that are addicted to crystal meth mm-hmm. uh, there's also another program called drink limits and it's a free eight week group for lesbian and bisexual women who are concerned about their drinking so uh if you go to thorn harbour health and you do have concerns about your particular addictions if it's in that area. Uh, guess how much they cost, Mark?
0: Um I would suggest that they are very inexpensive, don't mm. they? Yeah, exactly. They actually probably don't cost anything. Well, they are free services.
1: Mm. And I think, you know, one of the the briefs of our program here hook is to look at some of the strategies, but also this is within Thorn Harbour Health, who are well known mm. uh, within our community and it's a free service yeah. and people don't necessarily know about that. Fantastic. Yeah. Queer space is another great website to go and check out. Big because they also offer counselling as well. They have counselling sessions during business hours and they can be one-off weekly, fortnightly, monthly and it's worked in collaboration with your counsellor. We actually have one of the counsellors coming on in a couple of weeks' time, Mark Camilleri from Queerspace. Wonderful. The cost of, of counselling through Queerspace is... Guess how much, Tosh?
2: possibly zero dollars free once again
1: so these are two major organizations that we have at our disposal Mm -hmm. uh that we tend to forget that you know look if, if i identify that there is a problem and i'm not going to continue denying it i never knew in addiction for myself that these sorts of things were available yeah. and i doubt if big daddy knew about them yeah. tosh i doubt if you knew about well, them well I? a
2: big uh, big one for the young men and women out there is headspace of course and they yes. do great work similarly and if you search through them they've got similar services to provide as well
1: hello morning sunday uh, hello sunday morning which i've talked about before mm-hmm. uh of course is a great resource and there are all sorts of strategies on there and it's an online forum as well yeah. there's 110,000 people that's a lot of people that are involved with Hello Sunday Morning. Now, we will be having an interview with the founder, Chris Raine, in a couple of weeks' time. It'll be on Monday the 11th, which is a public holiday, so Wonderful. be listening in for that. Jack Nagel was one of our guests a number of weeks ago. Jack Nagel offers uh, support for, he was actually a crystal meth addict, and he offers support online services. They do cost money, uh, but not everybody is able to maybe go to a rehab. No, um,
2: no. Uh, I mean, the, you, we'd rather more services rather than less, re- regardless of what they provide and, you know, how much they cost. It's better to have more out there than not, you would think.
1: Well, sometimes I think also, you know, if you're in active addiction and you're at home and you don't want to do anything and get out there, a web-based service may be a a good way to start. Big Daddy, you've heard about Quit Victoria? Yeah. We were uh, talking... With Quit Victoria recently about their online services to help people stop smoking, uh, that's also another great resource. Hundred Day Challenge ah. was, was with uh, Responsible Gambling Victoria. Yes. I actually joined up just to see how easy the app was to use, and this is for people that have a problem with gambling. Mm-hmm. I've joined up. I've actually been twenty-one days not gambling. Now I'm not a gambling addict, but uh, I continue to read some of the uh, messages that are on the Hundred Day Challenge. People do actually post in a forum. It's an amazing resource yeah, as well. it's wonderful. And uh, Big Daddy, have you heard of Shark before, the Shark Group? They're, no. Um, no. Tell me about them. Okay, well, the Shark Group are a... Um, usually they, they offer rehab services and things like that, but they also have a phone counselling service called a Family Drug Helpline. Now, this is for people that are affected by those of us that are in addiction. So, you know, mm. the ripple effect is huge, isn't mm. it? Uh, where, you know, loved ones are affected and they start to, as you were saying before, you know, you you were in a relationship, Big Daddy, and you were enabled mm-hmm. and you were taken care of. So this is the sort of service for people like your ex-partner mm-hmm. who, if they'd had a chance, they could have found out that they weren't at fault mm-hmm. and they couldn't have continued blaming themselves right. and maybe stopped enabling. Mm-hmm. Would that have made a difference?
0: Possibly, yeah, yeah. It might have, uh, you know, certainly might have brought a reality um, to me more quickly than um, that it did happen yeah yeah and also smart recovery i think tosh do you know something about smart recovery
1: no actually i don't okay (laughs) (laughs) all right no i thought maybe you did uh we were talking to a counsellor in um i can't remember where he was from but he was certainly a drug and alcohol counsellor and smart recovery is a different group of people it's not 12 step based but it is groups of people that get together and it is peer support as well great yeah i'm all for what about picking up the phone
2: Oh, so many numbers, so much time, and who did I call? Who did you call? No one, no. no one. Did you call anybody, Mark? <laughs>
0: no, it was, um, it was going to interrupt the way I wanted
1: to drink, <laughs> really. I actually, I think I used to call um, some of my family members and other people just to tell them exactly what I thought. Oh, <laughs> but right. at the same time, if you are looking for a phone service, we always talk about Lifeline and Beyond Blue. Yeah. They are amazing resources. You can go online, lifeline.org.au, beyondblue.org.au. Uh, and also the Shark Line that I just talked about, Quit Victoria, of course, is is you know it's not only a web based service but you can also call the quit line yeah which is also good in case you're craving a cigarette right now there's also switchboard our own community switchboard i can't remember the number i will put a link up in our podcast but switchboard is pretty amazing and also
0: let's say you were talking about alcohol before there's aa victoria yeah. what happens if you ring them up um, they, they've got a helpline too it's only it's only um, staff between certain hours and things but there's certainly um, some people there that are able to give um, first-hand experience of their their recovery and um, in, for, for people with alcohol you can ring uh, those uh, there's a there's an office in in um, In Richmond, I think? Richmond, that's right, yes. And what would they do? What would they do if they Um, talked to you? They'd just talk to you, answer your questions, um, give you some advice about where you might go and seek um, some of the services you've spoken tonight about, about the first line stuff, about where you could go and, um, you know, get more information.
2: Now, Big Daddy, how, though, would you rate just telling a friend or a family member or a loved one? How, How important would you say it is if you think you have a problem just to tell somebody?
0: Well, I think that's the first step, isn't it? For any, no matter what addiction you're talking about, it's uh, um, uh, the admission to yourself that you've got a problem. So it's about stopping the denial and letting the ego down and saying, okay, I've got a problem here and I really need to do something about it, you
1: know? Yeah. It's very hard to take that very first step and uh, we encourage you here on Hooked that if you do think there is a problem. You know, I've, I've heard of people that had 12-step books in their, you know, under their bed and things like that because they've actually thought about it. And sometimes people do have that inkling Mm. that there is a problem. You can go to our uh, podcast probably on Wednesday and there'll be a whole list of all of these different sorts of resources, certainly the online and the phone numbers. And, you know, it's just... Asking for help at last for the first time. We hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36.
2: It is important, of course, to remove away from the self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, removing the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is feeling good about ourselves. Always remember that none of us are alone in this world and that the first step in recovery is to ask for help. We
1: want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Tosh. Goodbye. And and it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation,
2: Joy. Help keep Joy on air